Welcome to our class this day. I'm your instructor, Dr. D. Todd Harrison. As we continue to feast upon the words of Jesus Christ as taught in the Holy Scriptures, I hope you all had a wonderful Easter celebrating the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And of that same Jesus Christ, I testify that He lives today. He is our Lord, our God, our King, our Savior. He died for your sins and He died for my sins. I testify that he lives. He sits at the right hand of the Heavenly Father in majesty and power and glory. And the angels sit round about his throne singing hallelujah, hosanna to God and the Lamb. And what a marvelous day that's going to be when we can one day return to live with him in his heavenly presence. What a wonderful day. It's a beautiful day again that the Lord God has created. I welcome you all here to our class this day. I love all of you. We pray for you every day. We hope that all continues to go well with you. It's marvelous to continue to see uh, the, uh, the gospel continue to grow and to be preached among the world. Uh, you know, we continue to get uh, people every day uh, wanting to get baptized, wanting to study with the missionaries. Uh, you know, we get uh, for 15 months now, every single day, people are coming unto Jesus Christ. They're wanting to get baptized, wanting to join the church. It's just been a marvelous experience to be able to uh, be used by God to teach and to testify of Him, and to preach His gospel, and to see so many people making the right decisions in their life that will bring them joy and happiness and peace. This week we're looking at Doctrine and Covenants, section 30 through 36, and we'll first look at uh, uh, verse 1 through 4 in section 30. This is a revelation given by the prophet Joseph Smith to David Whitmer, Peter Whitmer Jr., and John Whitmer following the three-day uh, conference of the church. Behold, I say unto you, David, that you have feared men and have not relied on me for strength as you ought. The uh, most important thing we learn in our lives is to rely upon the Lord and don't trust the wisdom of the world, don't trust our friends and the relatives and their advice. Uh, it's okay to listen to them as they, and you know, take it to the Lord and ask them if what you've received is godly counsel. But we need to always depend upon the Lord for the decisions in our life, and and he's being reprimanded for for not doing so. But your mind has been on things of the earth more than on the things of me, your Maker, and the ministry whereunto you have been called, and you have not given heed unto my spirit and to those who were set over you but have been persuaded by those whom I have not commanded. You're listening to those I have not commanded. I've appointed to you priesthood leaders that you can rely upon also as they rely upon me, the Lord. You can get godly counsel from them. He says, Wherefore, you are left to inquire for yourself at my hand and ponder upon the things which ye have received. And your home shall be at your father's house until I give unto you further commandments. And you shall attend to the ministry in the church and before the world and in the regions round about. Amen. So that's the revelation given to David Whitmer. And we'll now have the revelation here uh, to the next one here in verse uh, Peter Whitmer in verse 5. We'll look at 5 through 8. Behold, I say unto you, Peter, that you shall take your journey with your brother Oliver. For the time has come that it is expedient in me that you shall open your mouth to declare my gospel. Therefore fear not, but give heed unto the words and advice of your brother, which he shall give you. So, you know, he's appointed Oliver Cowdery to be his senior companion. 
There's some great missionary uh, uh, principles here that you, you you need to learn to listen and give heed unto the words of you know of your uh, senior companion and you know those who have been appointed over you as you engage in the missionary work over your district leader, your zone leader, and so forth. And be afflicted in all his afflictions. Uh, have a great companionship with a fellow missionary that you're assigned to work with. You need to be afflicted together. You need to be happy together. You need to become one and you experience all things uh, together. He says, uh, ever lifting up your heart unto me in prayer and faith for his and for your deliverance. You should be praying for your missionary companions, you know, that God will deliver you uh, from the hands of the enemies and the adversaries. That the, God will open the way to help you find the, those who are righteous in heart and who need to uh, hear the gospel. For I've given unto him power, Oliver Cowdery, to build up my church among the Lamanites. And none have I appointed to be his counselor over him in the church concerning church matters, except that it is his brother, Joseph Smith Jr. Oliver is next in charge of the uh, church and in the leadership next to uh, the prophet Joseph Smith. Wherefore, give heed unto these things, and be diligent in keeping my commandments, and you shall be blessed unto eternal life. Amen. So wonderful revelation there. 9 through 11, we get here John Whitmer. Behold, I say unto you, my servant John, that thou shalt commence from this time forth to proclaim my gospel as with the voice of a trump. You know, over and over again, the scriptures teach about proclaiming the gospel boldly, proclaiming the gospel with a trump, you're not to just mumble words like oftentimes happens in the church. There's no spirit involved there. There's no power involved in there. You need to learn to speak with a trump. And it's unfortunate because if we don't have good uh, examples in the church of how to preach the gospel, how are we to learn how to do it? If we've never seen the gospel preached with a trump, if we've never seen it preached boldly, it's hard for the, you know for, for us to learn how to do it on our, on our own if we have never seen that example set before us. He says here, And your labor shall be at your brother Philip Burroughs, and in the region round about, yea, wherever you can be heard, until I command you to go from hence. And your whole labor shall be in Zion with all your soul from henceforth. You shall ever open your mouth in my cause. So even after you're done being a missionary and you come home uh, from and be released from a missionary, you're not supposed to stop preaching the gospel. You're supposed to always preach the gospel. It's given unto the members of the church to preach the gospel. Not fearing what man can do, for I am with you. Amen. Always remember that God's with you. Don't fear what man can do to you. You know, God's with you, is, is supporting you and uh, blessing you. And rely upon him, not upon man. So a lot of great principles taught here already in the uh, section 30. Uh, we'll look at section 31 here. And we'll read this, a revelation to Thomas Marsh. Uh, he'll become a future uh, president of the Quorum of the Twelve. And verse 3, Lift up your heart and rejoice, for the hour of your mission has come, and your tongue shall be loose, and you shall declare glad tidings of great joy unto this generation. The gospel needs to be exciting, needs to be joyful. This is good news. This is great stuff. This is more exciting than watching a movie, more excited than listening to a program on the uh, on, on, you know, on, on the radio or anything like that, you know. Good news, great, uh, glad tidings of great joy to this generation. You shall declare the things which have been revealed to my servant, Joseph Smith, Jr. So the things we're supposed to be teaching when doing missionary work. Now, now when we join, the, when, when we 
in our church, in church meetings, the focus should be on the Savior. In missionary work, it should be on the restoration of the gospel, the prophet Joseph Smith, and the things revealed to uh, Joseph Smith, the Book of Mormon, the, the revelations of the Doctrine and Covenants. That's what we should be using in missionary work. If we go around just trying to tell other people, well, we're like you too, we believe Jesus also, there's no need or reason for them to join the church. But if we teach them that the gospel has been restored, that God has called prophets again in our own day, that he's given us additional scripture, then there's a reason for people to join the church, to leave their church and to join and receive the fullness of the gospel truth. Not just a part of the gospel truth, not just the, the basic teachings about Jesus Christ that all churches share in common, but the things of the restoration, the things that were revealed to the prophet Joseph Smith is what we need to focus on in the missionary work. When we then get baptized and become members, then we focus on Jesus Christ in our church services and worship. Therefore, thrust in your sickle with all your soul, and your sins are forgiven you. He talks about this multiple times. Those who are engaged in the laboring in the vineyard, laboring in missionary work, preaching the gospel, their sins are forgiven them. That's the promise of God that he will forgive them of their sins. And you shall be laden with sheaves upon your back, for the laborer is worthy of his hire. Wherefore your family shall live. He'll take care of your family. Uh, don't, don't worry about them when you're on, the, on your mission. He'll take care of them. Nothing will happen to them that's not according to his will. And he will bless them in, in the majority of cases. Okay, so now let's look here at um, uh, section 32. And in 32 is Revelation given to Parley P. Pratt and Zeba uh, Peterson. And let's look here what we learn in uh, verse 3 through 5. It says, And Zeba Peterson also shall go with them, with uh, Oliver Cowdery, Peter Whitmer, and, um, and uh, Parley Pratt. And I myself will go with them and be in their midst. As we uh, engage in missionary work, God is with us. He's with us in our uh, midst. And I am their advocate with the Father, and nothing shall prevail against them. And they shall give heed to that which is written, and pretend to no other revelation. And they shall pray always that I may unfold the same to their understanding. So again, instructing them, go forward, don't worry about any other revelation. You are to preach the things of the restoration of the gospel. You are to preach from the Book of Mormon, from the Doctrine and Covenants, and, and focus on those revelations. If you don't understand them, pray. God will open up and help you understand them. And they shall give heed unto these words, and tri trifle not, and I will bless them. Amen. So another great principle about missionary work. This whole week, uh, this whole week is about missionary work in these uh, sections. Marvelous uh, blessings and, and all the great principles we're learning. 33, we'll look at verse 1 through 2. And this is a revelation now to Ezra, Thayer, and Northrop Sweet. And 1 through 2, Behold, I say unto you, my servants Ezra and Northrop, open ye your ears and hearken to the voice of the Lord your God, whose word is quick and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword, to the dividing asunder of the joints and marrow, soul and spirit, and as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Jesus knows our very thoughts and intents. Mosiah says we're going to be judged based on our thoughts, you know, not just our actions. 
For verily, verily, I say unto you that ye are called to lift up your voices as with the sound of a trump. Not mumbling, not just uh, putting no effort into it, and I'm just going to talk like this and bore you to death. Uh, the Spirit can't bless somebody uh, if you're boring them to death, you know. But unfortunately, we do too much of that in the church. We need to at least sound excited about what we're trying to, to preach. The people can't sense excitement and joy and happiness then they're not going to think that they can receive joy and happiness by, you know, by listening to you and, and listen, uh, heeding and listening to what you have to say. It says, So with the sound of a trump to declare my gospel unto a crooked and perverse generation. 3 through 5. For behold, the field is white already to harvest, and it is the eleventh hour, and the last time that I shall call laborers into my vineyard. This is the last time Christ is coming. He's coming. He's going to reign as our Lord of Lords and King of Kings for 1,000 years upon the earth. Get ready for that. He says, uh, uh, And there is none which doeth good, save it be a few, and they err in many instances because of priestcraft, all having corrupt minds. And verily, verily, I say to you that this church have I established and called forth out of the wilderness. We continue to see that over and over again. Jesus Christ continuing to bear his testimony, his witness concerning the restoration of the gospel. He Once again, he's the, defining it as a, based on Revelation 12.6 of the woman going in with her child, the church, into the wilderness for 1,260 years until the restoration when the mighty angel in Revelation 14.6 is flying through the midst of heaven proclaiming the everlasting uh, restoration of the gospel. And so Jesus Christ here bearing witness again that he called his church out of the wilderness in fulfillment of Revelation 12.6 and 14.6. And even so will I gather mine elect unto the four quarters of the earth, even as many as will believe in me and hearken unto my voice. So in verse uh, uh, 9, uh, verse 10, let's move to verse 10. Yea, open your mouths, and they shall be filled, saying, Repent. Repent and prepare ye the way of the Lord and make his path straight, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Yea, repent and be baptized, every one of you, for remission of your sins. Yea, be baptized even by water, and then cometh the baptism of fire and of the Holy Ghost. Behold, verily, verily, I say unto you, this is my gospel. While there's lots of principles and, and lots of uh, philosophical uh, principles within the scriptures, his gospel is namely repent, believe the gospel, and get baptized. That's all there is to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if you continue in verse 13, the gates of hell shall not prevail against you. Now 15, we get another great principle of the restoration. Uh, we find out how you confirm somebody and grant the gift of the Holy Ghost. And the Bible is not very clear. Uh, you know, it even talks about how he breathed on them and they received the Holy Ghost. So sometimes you'll see some of these uh, televangelists on TV and, and they start blowing on people thinking that they're giving them the Holy Ghost. Uh, now, whether there's uh, some sincerity or not in there, we don't, we don't judge them for that. But that's not how it's given. Part of the restoration, we find out the truth of all these principles of the gospel. In 15, he says... And whoso having faith, you shall confirm in my church by the laying on of hands. 
And I will bestow the gift of the Holy Ghost upon them. You don't breathe on them. The Holy Ghost doesn't just suddenly appear on you as some of the scriptures make it sound like in the uh, in the Bible. But the gift of the Holy Ghost is granted by the laying on of hands, by those who hold the priesthood and authority of God. And as we continue to see Jesus Christ himself proclaim, that priesthood and authority of God is only held within the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and in no other church or organization upon the earth. In verse 16, he's going to again bear his testimony once again in the Book of Mormon. We've seen him continue to do that. Watch this. These are the words of Jesus Christ. And the Book of Mormon and the Holy Scriptures are given of me for your instruction. And the power of my spirit quickeneth all things. So Jesus Christ himself declaring witness that the Book of Mormon is given unto you for your instruction. It says, Wherefore be faithful. Praying always, having your lamps trimmed and burning, and oil with you, that you may be ready at the coming of the bridegroom. For behold, verily, verily, I say unto you, that I come quickly. Even so, amen. Okay, now we'll look at, uh, verse th at uh, section 34, and there's some great principles here. We'll look at verse 5 through 6. It says, And more blessed are you, because you are called to me to preach my gospel. To lift up your voices with the what? And the sound of a trump. That's what, the third time today? both long and loud, and cry repentance unto a crooked and perverse generation, preparing the way of the Lord for his second coming. And how many times do keep talking about we need to preach repentance to the people? You know, you don't just tell them the good things, you know, that, oh, you're going to be blessed like this, you're going to be blessed with this and, 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 and these blessings. You need to warn the people that the judgment is real. The day of judgment is real. God will sentence those who have failed to keep his commandments uh, to be shut out forever from his kingdom. That is a real thing. Uh, uh, misery, eternal misery with the devil and his angels is real. The Book of Mormon talks about that several times. The Doctrine and Covenants talks about that. It's very clear in the scriptures. But if you don't warn the people, then what would motivate them to, to, to change their lives or to come unto Jesus Christ or to become baptized? If, if they're only looking for blessings, maybe they don't want those blessings. But if at least you warn them of a judgment to come, you warn them that they need to repent, now the Holy Ghost can begin to work on them, confirm to them the truthfulness of what you just said, so that then maybe they can start to change or maybe they'll desire to want to change. I'm going to now look at Verse 7. For behold, verily, verily, I say unto you, the time is soon at hand, that I shall come in a cloud with power and great glory. So here's this great language again, you know, unless you've seen the vision of this thing, uh, you know, nobody knows exactly what this cloud is, but it's always talked about in the scriptures throughout the Bible, the Old Testament, the New Testament. You know, you got Christ always coming in this cloud, being caught up to the clouds, uh, the ancient alien people. You know, think it's some kind of spaceship. So, you know, I don't know. Unless you've seen the vision of it or something, we don't know what it is, but that's how they all describe it. And even Jesus Christ himself here describing it as a cloud. So it's very interesting that whatever it is, uh, that Jesus comes and goes in. You know, they, they, they continue. Even Jesus himself describing it here as this cloud. And it shall be a great day at the time of my coming, for all nations shall tremble. But before that great day shall come, the sun shall be darkened, and the moon be turned into blood, and the stars shall refuse their shining, and some shall fall, and great destructions await the, the wicked. 
It's talking about when the earth's going to go back into the presence of God. The earth will move out of its present location. Before the fall, the earth was in the presence of God. When Adam and Eve fell, the earth was shot out into its present location in the universe. Prior to this event, the earth will go shooting right back. That will make it look like the stars are falling from the heavens. You know, the moon is going to, maybe who knows what will happen there. Uh, but, you know, the description is it turns into blood and the, uh, you know, and, and the sun will be darkened because we're going to be far away from the sun. We won't see the sun anymore. And those things. Ten. Wherefore, lift up your voice and spare not, for the Lord God has spoken it. Therefore, prophesy, and it shall be given by the power of the Holy Ghost. You've got to be willing to open your mouth to be able to prophesy. But if you're willing to prophesy, he says, I will fill it with the Holy Ghost. And if you're faithful, and behold, I am with you until I come, and verily, verily, I say to you, I come quickly. I am your Lord and your Redeemer. Even so, amen. Okay, now we'll look at 35. And there's quite a few scriptures here. Uh, Revelation given to Joseph Smith the prophet and Sidney Rigdon. Verse 1 through 2. Listen to the voice of the Lord your God, even Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the last letters of the Greek alphabet, signifying that Jesus is the first and the last, whose course is the one eternal round, the same today as of yesterday and forever. I am Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who was crucified for the sins of the world. Once again, Jesus Christ declaring himself, bearing testimony of himself, that he died and was crucified for the sins of the world. Even as many as will believe in my name, that they may become the sons of God, even one in me, as I am one in the Father, as the Father is one in me, that we may be one. Let's look at verse 6 through 8. But now I give unto thee a commandment, this is Sidney Rignan, that thou shalt baptize by water, and they shall receive the Holy Ghost once again by not breathing upon them, but by the laying on of the hands, even as the apostles of old received it. That's how the apostles received it. It didn't just suddenly come upon them. I know there's a verse in Acts chapter 2 that makes it sound like the Holy Ghost just fell upon them. But they had received it by the laying on of hands. And it shall come to pass that there shall be a great work in the land, even among the Gentiles, for their folly and their abomination shall be made manifest in the eyes of all the people. For I am God, and my arm is not shortened, and I will show miracles, signs, and wonders unto all those who believe on my name. But he can't do it if you don't believe on his name. Remember, even Jesus had a problem with one of the cities in the Galilee during his uh, lifetime. He said, the scripture says, he could not perform a miracle there because of their lack of faith. You have to have faith to receive miracles and whosoever shall ask it in my name in faith they shall what if you ask it in jesus christ's name and have faith you shall cast out devils they shall heal the sick they shall cause the blind to receive their sight and the deaf to hear and the dumb to speak and the lame to walk and the time speedily cometh that great things are to be shown forth among unto the children of man but without faith shall not anything be shown forth except desolations upon Babylon, the same which has been made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. And there are none that doeth good except those who are ready to receive the fullness of my gospel, which I have sent forth unto this generation. Once again, Jesus Christ bearing testimony, bearing his witness, that he has done what? That he has sent forth 
the fullness of the gospel truth in this generation. Not in the 1500s, not in the 1400s, not in the 800s, but now in the 19th and the 20th and 21st century. Jesus Christ has sent forth the fullness of his gospel, restored through the, his servant, the prophet Joseph Smith. Jesus Christ declaring that witness, and that the only ones that do good are those who uh, are ready to receive the fullness of the gospel truth. Okay, so now let's look at verse 15. And the poor and the meek shall have the gospel preached unto them, and they shall be looking forth for the time of my coming, for it is nigh at hand. You know, if you try to reach out and baptize the rich, you know, the rich people, you're not going to have a lot of success as a missionary. It's a great kingdom building is based upon multiple generations. So who's going to listen to the gospel? The poor and the meek of the earth. So you reach out to the poor and the meek. They they listen to you. They get baptized. You start to begin to teach them and educate them. They raise up kids. Now they focus on education and you know gaining the best education that they can and learning how to work and and and, and learning analytical skills and and skills that then will help them get even a better job in the next generation and they start to prosper you know as God blesses them through this so it's it's a multi generation process you reach out to the poor and the meek they're the ones who are willing to listen to the gospel you baptize them. And then they become educated and teach their kids to become educated and they improve generations to come. Now let's look at 17. And I'm set forth. So again, he's about to bear testimony again. It's just incredible, isn't it? We're already now through 35 sections. And every one of these lessons, Jesus Christ himself continues to declare and bear his testimony as to the truthfulness of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, as to the pro that the prophet Joseph Smith was indeed his prophet, that the Book of Mormon is true. It's just incredible how he does this. Look here in 17. And I have sent forth... The fullness of my gospel by the hand of my servant, Joseph. And in weakness have I blessed him. So bearing testimony again of that. And I have given unto him the keys of the mystery of those things which have been sealed. Even things which were from the foundation of the world. And the things which shall come forth from this time even until the time of my coming. If he abide in me. And, but look what happens if he will not. See the Lord always has the backup plan. You know, it's free agency. People can blow it, ruin their, you know, uh, fail to fulfill the plan that God had for their lives, at which he just brings in somebody else to replace them. He says here, and if not, another will I plant in his stead. So if Joseph Smith had not been faithful in uh, restoring the gospel, God would have called somebody else to restore the gospel. Wherefore, watch over him, that he his faith fail not. So, we are to take care of one another as members of the church. Make sure that we don't lose faith. Even the leaders need to have each other take care of them to make sure that they remain in the faith. And it shall be given by the Comforter, the Holy Ghost, that knoweth all things. And a commandment I give unto thee, that thou shalt write for him. And the scriptures shall be given, even as they are in mine own bosom, to the salvation of my elect. That's why this... We have the scriptures for the salvation of the elect. So that the elect will know what things they need to do to receive salvation. 
And 23, And inasmuch as ye do not write, behold, it shall be given unto him to prophesy, and thou shalt preach my gospel, and call on the holy prophets to prove his words, as they shall be given him. Now what's he talking about here? He's talking about using the Bible to prove the truthfulness of the Book of Mormon, to prove the truthfulness of the Doctrine and Covenants and the revelations that Joseph Smith is receiving and to prove that Joseph Smith was a prophet. You use the Bible to prove that these things are true. Okay, so now in, um, in 26, Lift up your hearts and be glad, your redemption draweth nigh. Fear not, little flock, the kingdom is yours until I come. Meaning that God has restored his kingdom until he has come. That kingdom is the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints upon the earth. Behold, I come quickly, even so, amen. Okay, now we'll look at uh, section 36, our final uh, section today, and then we'll get some more. What a great lesson this is so far uh, today. I uh, uh, hope you're all enjoying this as much as I am. Uh, section 36, Revelation given to the prophet to Edward Partridge. Thus saith the Lord God, or Koamar Adonai in the Hebrew. That's so Old Testament-like, right? Uh, Behold, I say unto you, my servant Edward, that ye are blessed, and your sins are forgiven you, and ye are called to preach my gospel as with what? The fourth time in this lesson today, with the voice of a trump. You know, you need to make it powerful. You need to make it so that the Holy Ghost can bear witness that what you're saying is true. And I will lay my hand upon you by the hand of my servant Sidney Rigdon, and you shall receive my spirit, the Holy Ghost. That's the third time he's mentioned that in this section, in, in our lesson today. Making sure people understand to get the Holy Ghost given by the laying on of hands. And you shall receive the spirit, the Holy Ghost, even the Comforter, which shall teach you the peaceable things of the kingdom. And he shall declare it with a what? Soft, boring, uh, monotone, uh, a voice, a mumble, uh, just mumbling your words? No! And not only what the Trump he says here, but with a loud voice, saying, Hosanna, blessed be the name of the Most High God. And now, this calling and commandment give I unto you concerning all men, that as many as shall come before my servant Sidney Rigdon and Joseph Smith Jr., embracing this calling and commandment, shall be ordained and sent forth to preach the everlasting gospel among the nations. Those who are elders are not only preaching, is supposed to preach the gospel while you're a missionary, full-time missionary service, but you're supposed to preach the gospel, you know, for the rest of your life. So, you know, that, that's what he wants. Crying what? Repentance. Saying, save yourselves from this untoward generation and come forth out of the fire. We know that the earth is going to be burned with fire in the last days here. So he say, escape this fire. Repent of your sins so I can bless you. Hating even the garments spotted with the flesh. And this commandment shall be given unto the elders of my church, that every man which will embrace it with singleness of heart may be ordained and sent forth, even as I have spoken. I am Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Wherefore, gird up your loins, and I will suddenly come to my temple, even so, amen. And we're going to see that coming up in section 110, in which Jesus Christ will appear to uh, Joseph Smith and Oliver Cowdery in the temple on April, uh, 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 April uh, 3rd in 1836. So he's saying he's right here, suddenly come to his temple, and he liter uh, literally fulfills that later on in section 110. 
What a marvelous lesson again today, the importance of repentance, of, of escaping the fiery judgments of a just God that will be poured out upon the all flesh. You know, and he wants to, uh, you know, at the same time, he's a God of love. He wants to uh, have you feel his love. He wants you to be joyful, happy, wants you to have peace in your lives. He gives you the commandments so that you can do that by keeping those uh, Ten Commandments from the Ten Commandments to, uh, in, in Exodus chapter 20. We can experience joy and happiness and peace in, in, in this life and return to his heavenly presence in the world to come, which as we saw in an earlier section, the eternal life with God is the greatest of all the gifts of God. There's nothing he can give greater than to live with him in his heavenly kingdom. My goal and my prayer for all of you is that you'll desire to uh, act upon what you felt today as the Holy Ghost has borne witness to your souls as to the things you need to change in your lives to more fully uh, become like Jesus Christ, more fully repent and, and change the course of your life so that you can receive these ultimate blessings and, and wonderful blessings God has in store for you. I, I bless you with the ability to be able to do that, to be able to make the changes in your life. I, I bless those of you who are not yet members of the church to reach out to the missionaries. I will uh, try to leave once again the link to contact the missionaries in the description of this video. Click on that link. Let them know you're ready to join God's kingdom upon the earth. They will work with you. They will study. They'll, they'll teach you a few things that, uh, that you need to know before you become a baptized member. And you can get baptized by those who hold the priesthood and authority of God. You can't do that in any other church. That priesthood and authority is only held in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. How do we know that? Because we've already looked at how many lessons this year on all these sections. We've looked at 36 sections now in which Jesus Christ himself continues to proclaim over and over again that this priesthood and authority is only found in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and in nowhere else. I bear you my witness, my testimony, that God does live. He is your Heavenly Father. He loves you. He wants. He talks to you uh, this, this sternly and, and, and makes his judgments clear from time to time to attempt to shake you to, because he loves you. You know, If he didn't love you, he wouldn't care about you and wouldn't want to warn you about the judgments to come. But you know, he wants to warn you, he wants to shake you up so he can bless you. You know, he, you know, it's his goal that all mankind shall receive immortality and eternal life. You know, those of you who are inactive, fallen into inactivity, drifted away, you know, come on back. You know how happy you were when you were fully active in the church? Come back so you can experience that joy and happiness again. Reach out to your priesthood leaders. Reach out to Relief Society uh, the teachers. And let them help you come back to full uh, membership and full joy and happiness with the saints of God. I testify that Joe Smith indeed was the mighty prophet of God as Jesus Christ has continued to bear his own testimony and witness of the prophet over and over and over again. I've lost, I've lost track how many times Jesus Christ bore his testimony concerning the prophet Joseph Smith. And to that I add my witness and my testimony of Joseph Smith, the prophet of God. I love all of you. We pray for you every day. If there's anything that you, you need in terms of a prayer request, let us know. Well, nothing that pleases us more than to be able to pray for you and continue to see you progress in your lives and to come unto Christ and become a baptized member of his kingdom as the kingdom continues to spread forth upon the earth. I love you. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.